Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Mercedes, the podcast by Mercedes-Benz. This is all about exciting topics like mobility, innovation, technology and much more. To open up new perspectives and to gain deeper insights, we meet experts from inside Mercedes-Benz and experts from all over the world. My name is Sarah Elsa, I'm your host and I'm looking forward to discovering the latest news and trends with you. So thank you for listening and now let's talk Mercedes. When we dive deep into the production history of Mercedes-Benz, we have to go back to the late 19th century, to a garden house that Gottlieb Daimler had bought to do the first tests for the small high-speed internal combustion engine together with Wilhelm Maybach. Fun fact, one day during a midnight session, the police knocked on the door because the neighbors suspected that Daimler and Maybach were making counterfeit coins because they often heard knocking and the sound of metal. Well, from the garden house to modern factories and plants, a lot has happened in over 100 years. Especially within the last two and a half years, Mercedes-Benz has been creating a smart, connected and sustainable factory on an area the size of 30 soccer fields. Factory 56. Today we're taking a look behind the scenes of this futuristic factory with Jörg Butzer and Ulrike Graze. Hi guys. I've got so many questions about this incredibly complex and huge high-tech factory. But before we start, let me quickly introduce you to the audience. Jörg, you're a member of the board of management Mercedes-Benz AG. Big responsibility, so big task for you. If you had to explain Factory 56 to a child, what would you tell them? Well, we are describing future, the future of automotive production. This is a fact, and I try to do that with my kids as well because they are also asking me, what are you doing the whole day? And what is so special? I heard something about this uh, new factory in Sindelfingen. And I said, well, we're describing the future of automotive production. And so you became the coolest dad on earth. <laughs> well, I don't know, to be, to be honest, but I try to at least. <laughs> uh, Ulrike, you also have a great responsibility. You had the S-Class assembly. Um, speaking of childhood and children, did you have to be a puzzle freak in order to handle a job like yours? Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I became a puzzle freak, but um, I'm honest. The job is a big puzzle. You get the uh, the colored uh, bodies from the from the paint shop, and you have to build uh, S class. And I know I have the best team to do this puzzle and fix it. <laughs> so it's teamwork, and a yes. plant is a puzzle itself, I think, yes. and we're going to talk about that later. And I hope there's still an inner child in both of you, because at the beginning of each episode, we're going to do a little game with our podcast guests and our loyal listeners knows it already. It's a game I'll start um, and read out some lines and I'd like you to finish them. I'm so curious about the first line because so much is changing right now and I'm pretty sure that there are young adults out there and they're asking themselves this question. So, um, here's your first line. If I had to study once again today, I would study. Jörg. Computer science. Would you be able to do it, or is this, that just a wish? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I would. Well, I don't I know. Do you know, same, my, my, yes, my son. <laughs> he started. He started studying computer science in Karlsruhe, and obviously, I was into that. I tried to convince him to study mechanical engineering first, but he said, "Nope, no, that's not." That's not what uh, what I want to do, at least what I want to do. I do that. And we, we're talking pretty often what, what are the differences because I'm an engineer and it seems to be 
extremely exciting, I would say. So you learn a lot of things from mm. your son, <laughs> changing yes, perspectives. Yes. So, uh, Ulrike, what about you? I would like to study mechanical engineer again. I think it's um, important uh, for our factory, it's important for our plant. And together with Jörg, I think we will be a good team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a cool one because you need diverse people, diverse yes. backgrounds. So you can challenge every task you have to solve uh, every day. Secondly, my highlight or favorite place of Factory 56 is... Can I start? Yes. <laughs> My favorite place is the um, central office in the middle of the factory. And um, there I can tell you something. It's it's very exciting from, from the employees when we um, come into the central office. We are in the middle of all the lines there in the factory. And one employee in the morning came to me in the office and said, welcome home. <laughs> and what, it was a nice feeling that they see you are in the middle of the, of the factory and you are with them and you work with them. And every morning they, they look to you and then they ask sometimes, oh, today you are not in a good mood. And then I say, okay, yeah, Yes, today I'm not in a good mood, but you can change it. Yes. So is there a couch at all in this place? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now it's a living room. It's, it's a plant and a living room. Yeah. So, Jörg, is it uh, the coffee station or what is it for you? <laughs> well, it's at least next to the coffee station. No, I have, to be honest, I have two favorite places. One is next to, uh, next to the central office. It's uh, uh, next to the tech line because this is for me a symbol of... Um, of uh, the production of the future, at least for us, for Mercedes-Benz. Uh, this is something new. Uh, it stands for flexibility. And uh, the other favorite place is the roof. So why Because it's roof? green <laughs> and, <laughs> it's, uh, and we have a photovoltaic system on there. And this also stands for a completely different uh, production approach, sustainability. This is something completely different to um, what we have planned the other plans for. So still one more to go. And please remember, your colleagues are listening. If Mercedes asked me to do another project like this, let's say factory 65, I'd say... Well, let's do it again and let's <laughs> learn from what we have done so far this time and uh, let's try to do it even a little bit better, I would say. Great mindset, Ulrike. Yes, I will do it again. <laughs> So it's been all about teamwork, I guess. And uh, speaking of teamwork, before we start to talk about the factory, I've got an urgent question. I'm pretty sure the listeners, the audience out there has the same question. Do you have any UFO fans in your construction team or why is it called Factory 56? It sounds like the, the mysterious Area 56 here. <laughs> Yes, the secret place somewhere in the yes. US or something because we have this area 51. Mm. And to be very honest, some, some guys ask me from time to time, is that similar to uh, what we, there are stories about that and whatever. No, um, it's, it's very transparent yeah, and it's absolutely clear what we are doing there. We are producing cars. So. The best car, the best car of the world. There's class. When the factory grows, my employees, we are in the neighborhood in in another building, and they ask every day, "What what's inside? Can we have a look?" And then for the last town hall meeting, we made a film with a drone and mm -hmm. fly through the factory to show them what happened in this factory before they started there to build cars. There was the opening ceremony. Um, how did you feel that day? I mean, two and a half years. Wow, that's a long time. Jörg? 
Well, uh, it was pretty emotional, but we all, the whole production team, the planning team, the operation team, everybody is very, very proud because this is something special. It's one of the most modern automotive production facilities in the world, and we put all our innovation power in this site, um, in this place. And what we already can see is that, uh, that this will pay off. So let's see what's going on the next years. Construction projects are often delayed, especially complex construction projects. Um, in 2018, when the construction started, it was the third largest construction project in Germany. Jörg did the deadline, September. Ever make you nervous? You know, two and a half years, you mentioned it. It's a pretty short timeline especially to integrate something new in an existing plant. But I was always convinced that we will make it. Yeah, because I think this was an outstanding and still is an outstanding teamwork. Speaking of teamwork, Ulrike, when you first heard that you should be responsible for the S-Class assembly, what was your reaction? I mean, the honest reaction when you were alone in the room and the, <laughs> the doors were closed. <laughs> Honestly, I have a big respect uh, for the project, but with a team who worked with me together to build the factory and to build um, all the things we use now in the factory. And I know that I have my team in the background and they knew what it means to build an S-Class. Yeah, it's it's a big and a, and a tough task to handle all these uh, things at the yeah. same time. And um, that's a good point for my next question. The assembly line has been working for about, let's say, 100 years. The production of Mercedes-Benz is on a high level and standard. So why did you decide to create a whole new production ecosystem and why now or why two and a half years earlier? Mm. Because we are all convinced that automotive production is changing. So if you planned a, a production facility five years, six years ago, the core topics, the main important topics were efficiency, yeah, technology, And now it, um, on top of that, it changed uh, to focus really on the future and sustainability, flexibility, digitalization. So, and this was the, the core idea, the key idea to show really something completely different. And I think this was exactly the right thing to do. And was your goal to really set kind of a benchmark for global production or... Was it more like, okay, let's try another way <laughs> well, it's for a, another huge yeah. dimension? <laughs> it's, it's a benchmark for us because what we will definitely do, um, we will take the issues and roll them out to our global production network, especially in terms of sustainability and digitalization. What we are learning here, you will find in the next couple of months, weeks and years in our other plans. Mm. Ulrike, um, what makes the factory 56 so special? What has increased with that factory? The things Jörg mentioned, flexibility. Flexibility for me, like like assembly manager, is very important. For example, we use AGVs, automatic guided vehicles, to transport our vehicles, our bodies, and to transport our materials. And with this AGVs, we are completely flexible, for example, in our tech lines. In the tech lines, we made automated processes like gluing the roof or our cars get their name with a, with a number. We uh, print the number to the cars and so on. So it's really 
easy possible to change the line for the new model or for a second, third, uh, fourth model only in one in one weekend. So we can implement several models or mixed models in our tech line and we can do it also in our push platforms. We can do it in our overhead conveyors and that's very special and flexible. And on the other way, we have young and experienced employees and we have uh, the chance in this factory that I can adjust every high I need to make the real efficient process uh, at the car with the employee. So there's a lot of ergonomics we have designed and there are a lot of other things that is necessary to become flexible, but on the other way to become efficient. Mm. Oh, there yes. was so much in there. I think we have to go <laughs> to go through it one by one. But let me just do one step back because I understand that it's all about technology, the physical space of the factory, and as you mentioned, um, the workflows of the people. So that's a highly complex ecosystem. I'm really curious, how did you start the planning? So where did you start it? For me, it's like a mysterious thing. <laughs> I wouldn't have known where to start. The technology, the people, the, the factory itself. So just give us a little insight. At the beginning, you always start with people because that's the most important to us, our experienced people, because we can only build the highest quality cars uh, with, the, with our experienced teams. So this is the center. And then the question obviously is, how can you support our teams to, to build these high quality cars? And then you come automatically to digitalization because this is this was when you started planning, obviously, on the horizon. So, And how digitalization can support our teams to, to build these cars. So you start then with that and then it's clear that this is another key topic. And then obviously you know that you have a responsibility for society as well. And then you end up uh, thinking about uh, sustainability. Yeah, because we have a big, big ambition at Mercedes and at Daimler, ambition 2039, and we want to contribute in uh, production as well uh, to that. So, and then everything comes together and then you start and you're going more and more into detail. And then you end up with a sketch of a plan, which is a little bit different to what we see normally because it's new. And it's, uh, again, we are describing the future of automotive production. So to mention it, that's what I think very special about that project as well. It wasn't just a board member project. You also involved the employees. So even in the concept phase, right? Yes. So we do that basically always. It's not, it's not like, you know, a board member knows everything. We have so many planning experts, but also so many ideas from our teams, how we can improve, for example, quality, how we can increase efficiency how we can implement digitalization tools in production. Yeah, So they were really, really involved and there are tremendous ideas coming out of this process. When we talk about efficiency, the numbers speak for themselves. In which sectors have you become more efficient and what do the according numbers look like? For example, we have um, shopping carts in Factory 56. So the employees get the material directly to their process. Uh, for example, on a push platform, I can put four shopping carts and so they only have one pitch, one return, get the part, mounted it to the car and then they go back. And on the other side, we 
have picking zones where we pick these shopping carts and then the shopping carts come come to the line and so the the whole assembly pros process are more efficient than before because I um, don't need to walk to a storage or to walk to, to a box and put the parts. That's one of the things we become more efficient. So the result is, uh, when I remember that right, you can reduce about 25% of, yes. of energy required to the gas right? 25% of energy, that's we a, uh, reduce that's um, a number. <laughs> 10, uh, 10 tons of paper every year. Because of digitalization, in every station you see a, a, a screen and on this screen everything is shown for the people what they need to build this car or their cars. And mm -hmm. on the other hand, we have other screens like quality life. So I can look on my smartphone or I can look on the screen and I know how the um, assembly line works, where, where it runs good and so on. And so you can react very quick. Uh, let's have a look on the tech side of the factory. When I visited a factory, I think it was 10 years ago, I thought this is like Jurassic Park with robots. And it was so cool. And I'm pretty sure that um, there's even more sci-fi in it today. So IoT Industry 4.0, which technologies shape the future of the factories most? Mm -hmm. well, it's definitely not automatization. Yeah, um, coming back again to our teams, to our people. We are convinced that Mercedes and Mercedes operation uh, in our production facilities that this is the key enabler for producing high quality cars. And what is the key technology, if you ask that? We think this is uh, digitalization yeah, because this supports our team members to really as I said before, to really create, again, efficiency, to create quality on the highest possible level. I think this is, uh, for us, the key technology because then you can use the data much faster. You can solve problems, master challenges much faster at the end, and this is uh, leading to a higher efficiency. So what end. makes it truly smart? Is the factory learning things itself or how can I imagine that? Yes, it's it's basically a process where we enable uh, the production line and our teams to gather and collect and store all data in a data lake to use a digital ecosystem which we call MO360, Mercedes uh, Operations 360 degree, which helps our team members to use this data wisely and fast. So could you explain it a little bit further? Because I think it's a great story which has been developed because it was not just the Mercedes-Benz department here. There were some IT tech guys with you, right? <laughs> yes, uh, so this was a teamwork. This was a combination between uh, our planning guys, the IT guys, the operation guys at the shop floor. And what we are trying to do is we combine all our applications. Uh, we have applications called digital shop, digital shop flow management, where we basically, as Ulrike described before, see what are the conditions and the core KPIs in the plant at the assembly line. And you can react to any challenges, upcoming challenges, very fast. For example, we have a system which, which is called quality life, where you see for each and every car the status, uh, the quality status, 
immediately and also potential problems and you can solve these problems immediately. And if you combine all these applications together, we integrate them into a digital ecosystem and uh, this leads to a much uh, higher efficiency because also in automotive production, speed is one of the key factors and uh, the speed of problem solving is one of the key factors for automotive production. MO360 sounds yes. again like Area 51, but um, <laughs> <laughs> if I understand you correctly, uh, Ulrike, you mentioned it, there are a lot of different models and drivetrain um, technologies constructed in just one hall. It's such a holistic approach in my opinion but if i want to change something let's say i want to produce another model which is completely different from from the models today here um how agile are these tech lines do i have to reprogram everything if i want to implement a new model there model construction or is it just like here's the button and you have to click just that button new model <laughs> uh, it's really easy to change uh, a model or to implement a model. Yes, you have to do the digitalization, as Jörg mentioned, but that's not uh, a secret. And then you can implement another model. Mm -hmm. And if I got you right, you really have at least no paper or is there still anywhere Any paper? No. <laughs> in the, it's, we it's have no paper. The, the only paper we have are in the break zones when the guys wash, the, wash their hands that they can. <laughs> the paper towels. Um, as in every podcast episode, we also pick a current headline. Electronic Automotive, a platform of VK Trade Media, wrote, Transformation of the automotive industry. New smart factories increase competitiveness. They mentioned Factory 56 in the article, so Mercedes is obviously um, headed in the right direction. But is one single factory enough to be competitive on a global market? No, for sure, not just one one single factory. But as I said before, it's also a learning journey for us or a learning experience. So um, all the innovations we we started, you will see them and you also partly already see them in our um, global production network. Uh, so I mentioned the quality life as a as a part of MO360 um, of our digital ecosystem. You can already see it, uh, for example, uh, in our plant in Alabama or in our production facility in China. So, but the Factory 56 will 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 play a key role in this innovation process, and this is extremely important for us to be really fit for the future. So two and a half years construction time plus planning time, money, manpower. Is the Factory 56 flexible enough to be prepared for all possible yeah, future scenarios? What do you think? Or did you just focus on one scenario? No, I, that's exactly one of the key success factors of, of this factory. We are flexible and we are not just flexible in terms of working hours we are flexible in terms of technology and especially powertrain technology so the next car which will be implemented after the launch of the new s-class will be the eqs and this means that we can produce two different powertrain technologies evs and ices in one factory so we can shift volumes, you can react to market demands, and this is extremely important. We do that with a full flex marriage. Marriage means where powertrain and chassis comes together, 
And full flex means um, full flexibility. So we can do that with ICEs, conventional powertrain technology, and battery-focused, also hybrids, obviously, and pure battery-driven cars. So this is one of the big advantages. Data server machines, heating systems, you really need a lot of energy. How do you increase sustainability at the same time in a new ecosystem of Factory mm. 56? Uh, first thing is the roof of the factory 56, 40% is covered with gas and the other, the other space is covered with uh, photovoltaic. So we generate our own electricity, for example, for fans and for small things in the factory. Then we have LED systems in the whole assembly. And uh, the overshoot we have from our electricity, we store in something like a battery or AQ. And another important thing is that we recycle the concrete uh, from the space where we built Factory 56 and use this in the department building. So how much energy can you um, cover with the self-generated renewable energy? Is it more like 20, 30, 40 percent of it, of the electricity? In general, as Ulrike said before, we uh, will save um, 25 percent of the energy, which we normally used for producing the predecessor. It's really a combination of all the tools we we implement here which is very very complex and sustainability doesn't play only a role in terms of material or emissions but also in terms of and i think that's your topic <laughs> the <laughs> supply chain what are the parameters and could you frankly say there is still room for improvement when we talk about sustainability in the supply chain Well, the key topic in automotive production is that you cannot single out one specific step in the value creation process. You have suppliers, you have your supply chain, you have production, and then you have the outbound logistics of the of the produced cars. But what we want to achieve is until 2022, we want to produce worldwide CO2 neutral. CO2 neutral, this is one of the key topics we um, we have. Still and not a deadline which makes you nervous? No, <laughs> no, we no because we no because we're very very focused on that and it's also personal to me. And then obviously supply chain is also one topic. So we are working on all this. The factory of the future has one more employee, and he's a robot, or let's say technology in general. Although there's already a lot of human-machine interaction at Mercedes-Benz, Factory 56 is a whole new level in terms of that. How do you enable people and machines for the cooperation, Ulrike? We started to enable the people one year ago and then uh, we have a qualification program to show the people and to show the robots how they have to work together. A lot of people are still afraid of technology and especially the force of it. It's a fear of losing control. What's possible with a smart factory like Factory 56, let's say analysis or is it optimization or even autonomous controlling? No, I think it's a mixture of all these three and to to make the people sure that they want to work there, we made something like a competition two years ago and the people can say, I want to work in Factory 56 and I'm curious to know something about robot and human cooperation. I want to know more about digitalization and when we know which people want to work there, we implement them in the 
in the old S-Class line and show them in a few pilots what they estimate and what they will do in the next years in Factory 56. Mm. Jürgen, I know you're a fan of flexibility. In the past, the people were able to yeah, sometimes do their own appointments and schedule that they like they want to do it and which is good for their family and their everyday work. In a production line, it wasn't possible. Is there even more flexibility in their work or is it still, yeah, you're working in a factory. It's not possible to be flexible. Mm. Yes, digitalization is, is really also supporting the idea of increased flexibility of each and every team member working in the plant. So just imagine in a team of 1,500 people, working employees, working in uh, Factory 56, you want to have somebody to trade a shift. How do you find the person? <laughs> What you can do is you can use digitalization to find somebody to trade because you have an appointment, private appointment or whatever. And this is increasing flexibility and also satisfaction of our teams. Yeah. That's so super important. If we did the podcast again in one year, what would be your personal wish for the development of Factory 56? Well, I'm convinced that we will build the best quality in automotive industry uh, in this plan. So it's not a wish, it's just convinced. And I'm convinced that the team is working as close together as they are doing that uh, today. My w wish would be that uh, I can see a lot of these innovations also implemented in all the other plants in our global production network. So if I go to China, if I go to United States, uh, to our team there, I would be extremely happy to see how this is all implemented there. At the end of each episode, we would like to take a look into the future. So what is your wish for traveling in terms of mobility in the future? What is missing? Should be invented or should be more widely distributed? Hmm. Maybe when I have a look at you, uh, please don't <laughs> mind, but autonomous driving could be a good uh, thing for you because Ulrike yes. is, is sitting here with, I don't know, is it a broken arm? Yes, it's broken. Yeah, it's broken, arm, so yes. she can't drive. Maybe it's, it's autonomous driving for you. Yes, autonomous driving could be a key fact. <laughs> But I think it's not only traveling, for example, you can order your your goods or foods you need for the dinner or so. I think it's a big thing we have to consider for the future. It's not only driving. I think you can drive with a car, but it's not only the driving. Autonomous driving, okay, yes. I think that it will come, but the other things uh, more important in the future. Well, I'm convinced that in future we will still have individual mobility. I think this is one of the key topics also for our society. And, well, my wish for the future would be that we do that in the best sustainable way possible. We have extremely good plans at Mercedes-Benz. I'm sure we can uh, we can achieve that. And perhaps we can even make it a little bit faster than, than we have planned. And more flexible, of yes. course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks a lot for your time and for all these very interesting insights. And if you want to get more insights into the world of the new Factory 56, just check out our Mercedes Me Media. And as I mentioned before, the S-Class is also produced there. So if you want to listen to exciting stories about the development of the new S-Class, just tune into episode four to six of our podcast and listen to our S-Class special. And if you don't want to miss our next episode, subscribe to our podcast Let's Talk Mercedes. And of course, we would love to hear your feedback. So leave a rating and a comment. Thanks for 
tuning in. Stay curious. Bye bye.